like the, the football coach went to the back. You guys know what? To get the score back. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. So it's Friday. We're at the end of the rope for our work week, right? We can kind of feel the finish line. Sometimes on Friday, you get to work, you mail it in a little bit. I never mail it in on this show. It's not what I'm saying. A lot of things that I'm really excited to talk about tonight. You know what I wish we could talk about tonight? This is something I've been thinking about all day. I tweeted something like this this morning at Wisco Grant. You know what I want to do? I, I want to power rank all of Jimmy Buffett's albums. Let's do a Jimmy Buffett album draft. Who would do that with me? You need to think of a guest who's a parrot head. We have Justin. Justin likes his Grateful Dead. We need a guest. We need a contributor that is a big parrot head. I want to power rank Jimmy Buffett albums. That's what I've been thinking about today. Uh, in, in case you're ever wondering what's going through my brain and how I use my time during the day, not productively. That's <laughs> not productively at all. I'm listening to Jimmy Buffett today. Just waiting for 4 o'clock so we can start the show. Actually, a lot of good stuff to talk about tonight. Monday and Tuesday this week, whoo, rough. Uh, the last couple of days, not too bad. And we're going to do some more Super Bowl preview things today because the game's actually coming up in like 48 hours. So we're close. We can talk a little bit more about Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford and maybe some of the things that we're excited to see Sunday's game. Maybe we can argue about boneless or bone and wings. That hasn't been done once by anyone this week, I bet. So maybe we can get into that too. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. Hope your week is wrapping up nicely. One guest tonight, and I feel terrible because I reached out to this guest on Monday and I said, hey, what day can you do this week? And he said, Thursday, 4.30, works great. And I said, Got it. Amen to that. And somewhere between Monday and today, my brain switched that to Thursday at 4.30. It swapped it. Swapped it. I, I, I in my mind, I, I went from Thursday to Friday. So I went to message Matthew Collar today, a Purple Insider, and realized that our message said Thursday. So he was waiting for a text from me yesterday. I actually doubt he was waiting. But I felt horrible. But he's able to do tonight, too. So he's going to join us at 4.30 to talk about the Super Bowl, but also about the Vikings, what's new with them. He obviously is very close with the Vikings. He covers them for Purple Insider. His podcast is great. His work is excellent. Ask him some questions about the Packers and the upcoming offseason as well. Where do you think Aaron Rodgers will go? Because I'm sure we won't talk enough about that over the next couple of weeks and months, right? So Matthew Collar will join us to talk football, a little Super Bowl, a little Packers-Vikings. That'll be at 4.30. I want to talk about what happened last night between the Bucks and the Suns. I want to talk about... NFL honors, Aaron Rodgers, Leroy Butler's in the Hall of Fame now, which is amazing. That's an awesome story, and I can't wait to talk about that today. Maybe like five more minutes on the trade deadline. Maybe. I get that that's not everyone's thing. So if we do that, it will be like the last five minutes of the show at 5.55. That's that's it. I'll, I'll tuck it in there, and then that's it. I, I promise. We're not going to go for, for dozens of minutes. We're not going to go for a half hour on the trade deadline today. That was yesterday. Find the pod if you missed it, if the NBA is your thing, and if you're a trade dead guy, guy like I am. Give me a tweet. Follow me on Twitter. We can go back and forth during the show at Wisco Grant. You can text and call 608-796-2558. Packers losing a couple of weeks ago to the Niners really, yeah, really cratered this show. I mean, it didn't ruin it, but it made it tough. We, we've been having a rough go the last two weeks trying to decide and, and settle on what we're going to talk about. 
we can talk about the Packers, and we have. Uh, but then we're dwelling on a loss, and I'm realizing a lot of folks get worn out by that. They don't like that, right? Don't talk about the Packers. Oh, okay, well, what do you want? Bucks are great. They're defending champs. I love talking about the Bucks, but not everyone's an NBA fan, and we aren't even to the All-Star break yet. So we're still a ways out from meaningful playoff pertinent basketball. We're not quite there yet. Last month has been a bit of a slog, right? Wisconsin basketball has been great. They've been so great that we've almost gotten used to it. It's like, oh, yeah, they won in Michigan State the other night. Well, that's what this team does. <laughs> we talked about it for what? Half hour, 45 minutes on Wednesday. That was it. They're so good that we're used to them being really good. And that almost hurts because it's taken some of the shine off of that team. So we don't feel compelled to talk about them for hours on end. Right? Plus, it's hard to do 10 hours a week on Badgers basketball. That's just that's just tough. Unless we don't have Zach on every day, which sounds amazing. Honestly, we should get Zach Heilpern on. Well, let's get him next week. We'll, we'll get something on the books. Now, this week, Tuesday night and last night, God sends. Because Tuesday night, we had Wisconsin at Michigan State. Bucks at Lakers. Both were great. We talked about that a lot on Wednesday's show. Check it out on the pod if you missed it. That was a really fun show. And then last night, we had NFL honors. So the award ceremony. And we had the Bucks at the Phoenix Suns. Bucks Suns was a great game. Got out of hand late. But there's some things that I want to cover for that game. We'll do that in the second half of the show. I want to start with the NFL honors. Two things we can talk about. Number one, Rodgers winning his fourth MVP. But I think a lot of Packers fans were more excited to hear the news that Leroy Butler is going to get into the Hall of Fame. And maybe that's because we knew Rodgers was going to win the MVP. There wasn't a lot of surprise to that. I don't, I don't think we were sitting on pins and needles. Because the AP voters who overwhelmingly voted Rodgers first-team All-Pro. Most of the voters are the same for MVP. So we kind of knew that was going to be the case. Maybe that took away some of the drama a bit. Rodgers fit last night. His outfit, by the way, was 10 out of 10. It was awesome. What I noticed last night, a lot more folks were fired up about Leroy Butler getting into the Hall of Fame. It's not that we weren't excited about Rodgers winning MVP, but the reaction from Packers fandom that I saw on Twitter... And then today on Facebook, when I scrolled a little bit this morning because I didn't want to get out of bed, so I was like, oh, I'll see what's going on on Facebook. A lot of people talking about Leroy Butler getting into the Hall of Fame. Rightfully so. This is something we should celebrate. This is something we should talk about. And I want to spend some time to start the show talking about Leroy Butler. This was long overdue, right? And I, I don't know that this situation is unique to Leroy Butler. A lot of Packers fans make a big deal out of this, myself included, that he should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago. It's a travesty that he wasn't in before this year. I, I, I get that, but a lot of players wait longer than they should. So Packers fans, maybe we should just chill out a little bit. And that's hard to tell Leroy Butler. He deserves to be in. But Butler probably got in late because he was waiting behind other guys who also got in late. And I don't want to get into a deep discussion about the process of selecting Hall of Famers because it it's weird. There will be someone on a Hall of Fame ballot for their first go-round or their second go-round. And the voters will say no. But everyone will realize, well, they'll get in eventually. They're a Hall of Famer, but not yet. Okay, well, what what, what do you mean? Why? If they're going to be a Hall of Famer eventually, why do we have to to make them wait three years? Well, you're not good enough to get in right away. We need to, um, we really need to drag this process out. It's bizarre, right? If we know someone's eventually going to be a Hall of Famer, just put them in and then move on. And we're not constantly kicking players down the road. Wow, they'll get in eventually. It just has to work out one of these. Oh, what the hell? And again, with the voters that select the MVP, and we talked about this with Hub Arkish a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's it's this complex that the voters get. Like they are the guardians of who gets in and how long it takes them to get in. Maybe some snooty writer. Like, well, Leroy Butler is a, is a Hall of Fame talent, but uh, 
But he needs to wait. He needs to, <laughs> he needs to bide his time. He needs to wait until I am ready to select him. You know, like, I don't know. The process is kind of weird. I get that's always how it's gone. I get it. But I think Leroy Butler probably took a little bit longer than he should have because he was waiting behind other people who took longer than they should have. It's, it's just kind of a messy process, right? It sucks that Lynch and Atwater got in first, right? Lynch was really good at playing politics. I'm going to go work for Fox and I'm going to be a GM in the league where Leroy Butler lives in Oak Creek in Milwaukee, I think. He's on a radio station there. Everybody loves him, but he's not parading and, and politicizing it. Maybe like John Lynch did, and John Lynch did a good job. I, I can't take that away from him. But Butler was better than John Lynch. He's better than Steve Atwater, too. Butler was the game breaker for that Packers defense in the 90s. Brett Favre was tremendous, obviously, won multiple MVPs. And Reggie is a generational edge rusher, pass rusher, yes. But Leroy made them next level. Because he was a player that was flexible. He was a player that could play multiple positions in an era of football where players didn't play multiple positions. Right? It's easy now to talk about Draymond Green. Well, he's a center. He's a point forward, but he also plays a little point guard and he does this and that. Right? Or now we talk about safeties who come down and they play around the line of scrimmage. And it's second nature because sports now are much more positionless than they were 20 years ago. I think now general managers and coaches are smartly realizing... We don't need to we don't need to label players. We don't need to put them into boxes. Let's just get them in positions to make plays. That's what the Packers did with Leroy Butler because he was so good. You had to do that with Leroy Butler, otherwise you were wasting him. Right? He's the one that opposing teams game planned for. I was listening to Ryan Rosillo's podcast last week, and he had Mark Schlereth on, and of course they talked about Super Bowl 32 um and, and how they countered the really good defensive front of the Packers with their running game. And they were able to win a Super Bowl where they were two touchdown underdogs, which is whatever. I don't want to talk about the Packers, how they lost the Super Bowl in 98 or 99 or, or whenever that was, but it was Leroy Butler that they had to come up with a game plan to counter. Yeah. He talked about Reggie White. He talked about other players, but Leroy Butler exploding into the backfield and making plays against that Shanahan run game. That's what they had to game plan for. And obviously they did a pretty good job in Super Bowl 32. I want to talk for a minute or two about Leroy Butler as a person. I tweeted last night, and you can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I want to go back and, and read it exactly. I tweeted this at, uh, let's see, 9, 12 p.m., and I think I had had one beer at this point. I, I saw the news. I went to a, my neighborhood bar when I got home uh, and watched the Bucks game there, and then we got the Leroy Butler news as well, and I tweeted, Leroy Butler is the best human, and you couldn't find a soul that would tell you otherwise. I believe that. I don't think there's a person on earth that would say a bad thing about Leroy Butler. Because when I listen to sports radio this morning and I looked at Twitter last night, you know what it is? Everyone sharing their Leroy Butler story. Oh, I bumped him into the grocery store. And when I smiled at him, he said, hey, you want a picture? You want me to sign something? Right? Oh, is this your son? What's his name? What's his deal? Right? Or Leroy Butler getting involved in boys and girls clubs around the state or schools around the state and coming and speaking to young people. And he was someone who grew up with disabilities. He was in a wheelchair at one point. He really struggled, you know, mentally and cognitively, too. And he gives back to now individuals who have to go through similar things at a young age. So there's parents all over the state that say, hey, my son or my daughter went through this. And Leroy Butler was generous with his time, with his money, with any way he could help, he helped. There's so many people that have Leroy Butler stories. Everyone has one. I've never met him. I've talked to a lot of people who have just in situations that I just kind of described around the state. I've had him on the show twice. Um, it's been probably at least a year since he's been on. 
since before all the Aaron Rodgers drama started before the draft last year. So I guess that kind of puts it into perspective. I've had him on the show twice. I couldn't believe it. So I texted him and I said, hey, Leroy, you know, here's the deal. I do this show, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you'd ever be willing to come on, cool. If not, no worries. You know, maybe I'll see you around sometime. Whatever. I don't remember what I said. He texted me back. Absolutely. Let's do it. Yes. And I remember him coming on the phone and talking to me. And he spoke to me like I had known him for 25 years. And if you've listened to the show for a while, and you maybe were listening one of these days, and it's been a while since Leroy's been on the show, um, it was, he was unlike any guest I've ever had in that just through the phone. It's not like we were Skyping. I couldn't see his face. It was just through the phone, just through the connection you could hear. Grant, I'm happy to be here. I am Leroy Butler, and I'm on your show, and I'm happy to be here, and I'm excited to talk about this. It's like, damn, dude, it's my show, and I'm not that excited to be on it like you are. You know? He's always smiling. He's always upbeat. And you can talk to anyone and everyone who's ever bumped into him, and they will not say a bad thing about him. I promise. And I think that's why last night Packers fandom just kind of, we were united. Like everyone. We might argue about Rodgers. We might argue about Lafleur. You know, we're mad about the special teams. But it's like, oh, yeah, we can all agree that Leroy Butler is, yeah, he's, he's, he is special. We need to protect him at all costs. You couldn't find a person that would say a bad thing about Leroy Butler as a person. As a player, he's one of those rare guys, again, that would almost be better in today's NFL because coaches would know how to use him. Like Debo Samuel in the 80s or the 90s, he would be good, but no coach would have the idea in 1986 to say, you know what, let's let's hand him the ball a little bit too. Let's not just throw him the ball, let's hand it to him. And they're like, oh, that's actually a, that's a really good idea. Wow. No one was doing that in the 80s and the 90s. Leroy Butler probably would be better in today's NFL because they'd line him up at safety and they'd do coverage things with them, but they'd also use him to blitz all the time. They'd use him, like they'd move him around everywhere. Like the Cardinals use Buda Baker, right? You can think about other great safeties, versatile safeties. He's better than Jamal Adams because Jamal Adams can blitz and that's about, <laughs> that's about it, right? Leroy Butler did everything and played everywhere and made every play. And he was a big, a huge piece, a huge piece of that 90s Packers defense, which is one of the better teams that we've seen in the NFL in what the last 30, 40 years. And if you're going to tell the story of the NFL, you can't tell it without that 90s Packers team with Favre, Holmgren, Reggie White, Gilbert Brown, Leroy Butler. And you can't tell the story of that Packers team without mentioning Leroy Butler. And that's why he's deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, especially if Lynch and Atwater are going to be in there, right? So long overdue last night. But I'm not going to spend time whining about how this should have happened four years ago. Let's enjoy it now because it's happening now. I want to talk more about this. If you have a Leroy Butler story or you have something you want to add to this, give me a text or a call, 608-796-2558. I also want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and what he said last night. He gave a two-minute speech about his MVP, and everyone tried to turn it into this big thing. I don't think it's a big thing. I'll explain why. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. We have some interesting topics to talk about today. Leroy Butler is now going to be in the Hall of Fame, which is outstanding. That's an excellent topic. And I'm hoping that somebody out there who's listening at some point tonight has a Leroy Butler story. A lot of people do. He's so personable. Always saying, hey, 
He'll always offer to take a picture, always ask you about your family. He's genuine. He is one of the nicest human beings I've ever talked to in my life. You couldn't find someone to say a bad thing about him. So, if you have a Leroy Butler story, or you just want to talk about and celebrate him now being in the Hall of Fame, give me a call or a text. 608-796-2558. Hit me up on Twitter. Follow me and tweet me at Wisco Grant. I mentioned in kind of my opening rant that Leroy Butler would almost fit better in today's NFL because sports today are positionless. Coaches and executives and, and analytics has probably helped with this too. We just have more data than ever before to support, you know, whatever claims or whatever ideas coaches might have. Right? We don't get fixated and obsess over positions, right? We're just like, all right, who are our best players? Who are the absolute best players on our roster? How do we get them on the field? And how do we use them? How do we maximize them, right? One of the best examples I like to use uh, is the Miami Heat of 2010-2011. Now, this is only 10 years ago. You don't have to go back to the 90s when Leroy Butler was playing sports. Just go back 10 years ago. Joel Anthony played minutes for that team because, remember, they had Chris Bosh, they had LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and then they would fill that fourth spot like Mario Chalmers would play point guard. Um, who else would get minutes on this team? I'm looking at it now. Udonis Haslam. But Joel Anthony was their center, right? He was their he was their true big man. And they played him, even though he wasn't any good. Because 10 years ago, well, you got to play a center. You know, you, you, we, need a, we need a big guy on the floor. Do you, though? Do you? Do you actually? Or is it better to just figure out your best five and then design an offense and design a scheme to fit your best five. And somewhere in the last decade, and it, it probably, it started a little bit with the Heat because the next year they figured it out, right? They weren't running Joel Anthony out there. They were playing smaller. So give credit to the LeBron Heat for what most people give credit to the Warriors for, for their Hamptons five lineup or their death lineup with Draymond Green at the five when they weren't necessarily needing to have Zaza on the floor or some some B to C to D minus, like Joel Anthony level center, we're just going to get our best guys on the floor. And even in the last 10 years, people were figuring that out. Certainly wasn't the case when Leroy Butler played. Now, I get a text here from Rock and Rick who said, unless I'm remembering it wrong, the Cowboys use Neon Dion on offense too. Yeah, and I get what you're saying, I, but that's not really the point I'm trying to make. You know what I mean? I, I hear you, Rock and Rick. I get what you're saying. I think that's different. Like, yes, using Neon Dion to return kicks and punts and maybe mixing him in on offense, that's one thing. I'm talking about the way teams actually design their defense or design their offense. Not, hey, Deion Sanders is nuts. Let's get him out there for a couple of plays. No, like, hey, let's design an offense to fit the personnel we have rather than running a traditional offense and pigeonholing whatever players we have to best make it work, right? But I get what you're saying, and and I think Neon Dion is certainly an outlier. Leroy Butler might have been, too. And it's cool that he's in the Hall of Fame. I want to talk about Rodgers and him winning an MVP last night, his fourth MVP. He now stands alone in second place all time behind Peyton Manning, who has five. I don't know if it was Pete Bukowski or who tweeted this stat today, and I saved it because I thought it was interesting. I don't know what it means, but it's certainly interesting. In Rodgers' four MVP seasons combined, he has 168 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. So 20 interceptions combined between his four MVP seasons. I mean, there are quarterbacks that will casually throw that many in a, in a season, right? And not casually. Like, we're talking about Jameis Winston, who threw 30, or Stafford almost had that many this year alone. 20 or 20 interceptions, 168 touchdowns. 
in his four MVP seasons. That's nuts, right? Another interesting MVP nugget, something that I was looking at today. I went and I lined up all of Rogers' seasons as a starter. 12 of those seasons, he has started at least 15 games. So you take out every season pre-2008, and you also take out 2013 and 2017, where he missed time, substantial time in both seasons. He missed games with a concussion in 2010, uh, and he's rested at the end of 2011, or, or he didn't play. Well, he started against Detroit this year, so I guess that's not a good example, right? If you exclude all of the seasons where the game totals are wacky, his lowest sack seasons, from lowest to higher, would be 2020. He took 20 sacks last year, which is a tiny amount. 2014, he took 28. That's second least. In 2021, where he took 30, that's third least. So his three MVP years, excluding 2011, were his least sack season, his second least, and his third least. So so a lot of this is simpler than we'd like to think. Like, oh, well, what magic was in the air in 2014 that allowed Rodgers to to win an MVP? Well, actually, he was protected. (laughs) He wasn't getting beaten up. He had time to throw. He wasn't flushed in his decision-making. You protect Aaron Rodgers, he's going to play pretty well. Might not win an MVP every time you protect him, but his best protection seasons are the ones where he's winning MVP. 2011 is the outlier. He took 36 sacks, but with wide receivers that could get open and get open fast, and you had a bunch of them in 2011, who cares about the protection, right? And the protection wasn't horrendous. It was just a little bit worse than you'd expect when you're looking at the data from 2020, 2014, and 2021. Before we get to Matthew Collar of Purple Insider, he'll join us here in a few minutes. I want to talk about Roger's speech that he gave last night. And we were all waiting on pins and needles a little bit for his speech because we thought he might say something significant. Thought he might talk about his future, say that he wants to remain with the Packers or he's going to be going elsewhere or whatever, something significant. I don't know what we expected. Maybe that he's had children. Like last year, he dropped casually that he's engaged. Maybe he's like, yeah, I fathered two children in the last year. I don't know. Nothing's out of the realm of possibility with this guy. None of that. Here's the speech that he gave last night after winning his fourth career MVP. What a year, huh? Uh... First, I got I to gotta say it's an honor to share the stage with Peyton Manning, a man who's won this award five times. You inspired a generation of quarterbacks, myself included, buddy, and glad to share the stage with you tonight. Thank you. I'd like to thank the Green Bay Packers, Mark, Brian, Russ, our incredible fan base. It's been uh, an amazing 17 years. So thankful for the memories and the moments over the years. Uh, I'd like to thank Matt LaFleur and his perfectly groomed eyebrows. <laughs> oh, yeah, Matt, there you are. Bree, thank you. Great job tonight on those. But in all seriousness, two out of three years winning this thing, you're a huge part of this. I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for trimming, supporting me, empowering me, and making things easy for me. Appreciate you, buddy. I'd like to thank my teammates. Uh, this is a special league that provides you so many incredible friendships that last longer than your time in the league. And I'm so thankful for the guys that get to come to work with every day, the memories, the jokes in the locker room, and going to battle with them every week. Uh, I'd like to thank my inner circle. You know who you are. Thanks for your love and support this season, and your consistency, reaching out like you do. It means the world to me, my Friday night crew. I love you guys, and you guys uh, are a big reason I'm standing here. And lastly, 
I'd like to dedicate this award to the memory of two really important people to me who passed on in the last couple years. First is the man that drafted me in 2005, Ted Thompson. And the second is someone that many people here are familiar with, former producer of the ESPYs and the NFL Honors, a dear and loyal friend, Maura Matt. Thank you. So that's the speech. So we all sat back and we're like, hmm, okay, let's, let's, let's parse that out. Let's try to understand that. It's fairly straightforward. I saw a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of Packers people on Twitter saying, oh boy, he's gone. He was saying goodbye. He was saying his farewells. Maybe. Maybe. But have we not listened to him all year? That's always how he talks. He always sounds like he's about to leave Earth. Like he's, He always speaks like he's literally minutes away from getting on a space shuttle and leaving Earth and never seeing any of us again. He's so reflective, so introspective. Why would you hear that and think anything's out of the ordinary? He always speaks like Paul Walker and Vin Diesel in Fast 7 when they're going their separate ways. Like, he always speaks like it's the last time he's ever going to talk to the people he's talking to. So I don't know why you'd hear that speech and think, oh, my God, he's gone. Maybe he is. But I don't think that speech gave us anything. So I think a lot of people came in with their preconceived notions of whether he's leaving or staying. They listened to that speech and said, I knew it. Well, you can kind of make whatever you want out of that speech. That's just Aaron Rodgers in a nutshell. Let's take a break. We'll get Matthew Collar on the horn from Purple Insider. Talk Packers, Vikings, Super Bowl coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Send me a text. 608-796-2558. If you want to talk about Leroy Butler, he's going to the Hall of Fame, which is great. Friend of show and one of the nicest people you will ever meet. Leroy Butler. Rogers won his fourth MVP. That's not a surprise, but we're BSing about that a little bit as well today. Maybe five minutes, if you'll allow me, on the trade deadline. Maybe at the very end of the show, right before six o'clock. Right now, of Purple Insider. And you can follow Purple Insider on Twitter. And you can follow Matthew as well. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, joining us now. Matthew, you are not on Radio Row, are you? Because I haven't seen any pictures or videos. You're not out in L.A. getting some sun? I mean, I did get a chance a couple of years ago to be a Radio Row. But, uh, you know, it's not exactly like we've seen the Vikings in Super Bowls. So, you know. Um, uh, you know, I, it, it is, it is a fun time. I mean, my favorite radio row story when the, um, Super Bowl was in Minnesota is that Terrell Davis almost accidentally took my head off, um, <laughs> like with his elbow because everybody is so like crammed in mm-hmm. that there's not a whole lot of room to just like walk around easily, or at least there wasn't at Mall of America. So Terrell Davis was trying to get by somebody and he sort of moved by them and his elbow swung out and my peripheral vision combined with quick twitch, I just was able to dodge um, getting decapitated by Trell Davis. So that was the, that was the, the best story that I had from Radio Row. So I know that you've, you've done radio in the past. When you were Radio Row, were you there covering it on the beat and for Purple Insider like you are now? Or were you doing actual radio show there when you were there? Because that's got to be hard. I've always thought about doing a radio show in that setting has to be super difficult. Yeah, it was kind of both. Um, there were press conferences going on all over the place. Uh, and there was like a media room that was downstairs in the Mall of America somewhere. I forget exactly where, but there was a, like a space 
uh, in there where you could go and then, um, you know, go up to the, to the radio row from there. And so I was kind of going back and forth. Like I remember there were press conferences with, uh, Rick Spielman, the owner of the Vikings. And then you had all the Patriots and the Eagles and all that sort of stuff. And then I would go upstairs and do, you know, some shows from there. It's, it's really hectic. I mean, one, it's sort of funny. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched the movie Zoolander, but it's like, mm-hmm. don't be distracted by the beautiful celebrities. It's like, there's, <laughs> there's just, you're, you're just like, everybody's wa- like Trell, Trell Owens is walking by you and Travis Kelsey, there he goes, like RG3, like just all these people that you sort of recognize or whatever. And so it, it, staying focused is a little bit difficult. And the other thing too is like booking guests and trying to get people on the show is, is really yeah. hectic because you want people that your audience will care about, but mm-hmm. also you, you know, you're there. So you feel very much obligated to have guests. So there's like PR people running all over the place, table to table. Hey, do you want this person? Do you want that person? Um, the most random guest was uh, Pat, uh, the guy who negotiated Patrick Mahomes' contract. Lee Steinberg was on our station okay. that week. And it was sort of like, Okay, how do we explain who this is? But it was a really good, you know, conversation, and everything else. But but it's yeah, it's it's very hectic and and a very sort of random week. And then everybody also has their stuff to pedal. So of it's course. like you know, it's like okay, well, uh, you're selling whatever candy bar or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's uh, it's a crazy time. And by the end, you are absolutely done. And one more thing that's yeah. kind of funny is everybody left, but we were obviously still in Minnesota. So on the Saturday, everybody was gone, and all of Radio Row was just a bunch of tables, and we were in the middle of the ball just by ourselves, all alone, <laughs> yelling to ourselves about sport, like doing the show. It was sort of funny. Yeah. People were coming up to us like, is this where they did the shows? Like, there were a lot of people here before, I promise. Yeah, dude, that's funny. I think it's just the way that I'm wired growing up in the Midwest where I would struggle because I, I don't like going up to people and inconveniencing them, right? Like, If you go to a restaurant with a bunch of people who are from the Midwest, especially small towns, right, when the waiter comes over to take your order, the waiter will be like, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm sorry. I'm going to be your waiter so they can help you. Like, the waiter's there to take your order, and they're apologizing (laughs) for for talking to you. Like, that would be me at at radio where, like, I know you're here to do radio hits, but would you mind doing, like, I think I would be, I think I would be a mess. We're talking with Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Let's talk about your Vikes. New GM, new coach. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know a ton about either but from everything I've heard, especially about the new GM and press conferences, I love. What, what do you think about the way that the Vikes have kind of reshaped their organization here in the last few weeks? You know, what's interesting is that we don't know a whole lot about, uh, you know, the, how these people are going to do their jobs either. I mean, Quasi Adolfo Mensa has a fascinating background as he takes over as the GM. I mean, he's really the first truly analytics hire. Now, don't tell him that because he will – uh, get a little defensive about it. I think you should lean into it. I mean, can you imagine a basketball or baseball GM being, you know, defensive about how much they know about analytics? Like that's usually mm-hmm. got to be at the top of your resume, but football has still got a little bit of the like, hey, I'm a football guy type of type of thing, but truly that's his background. I mean, he went from Wall Street to being a football researcher um to, you know, working for the Cleveland Browns organization right under Andrew Barry. And, I mean, the organizations that he came from are some of the most analytical in their front offices that exist in the NFL, and it's very different from what the Vikings had before. Not that they ignored analytics under Rick Spielman. It's just that the guy who was calling the shots was a scout in his background and and an an executive in his background, 
And this is different. This is somebody who really wants to push sort of process, uh, you know, the oriented type of decision-making, which sounds like business jargon and it kind of is, but also it just means that you're following, you're following the evidence, whether yeah. it's scouting reports and, and what correlates to success or whether it's, you know, some deep dive study on, you know, what kind of safeties succeed or whatever, but you're just, you're just doing it based on, on that sort of thing as opposed to whims. So that, that was really interesting to hear him talk about his press conference. And then Kevin O'Connell, you know, people were upset. I don't want to say too many people, but more than I expected that Jim Harbaugh didn't become the Vikings head coach. And, you know, my response to that was, isn't the guy you just hired going to be on the sideline in the Super Bowl? Like, I yeah. mean, you can't be too upset going from Mike Zimmer, the stodgy you know, defensive head coach who kind of, you know, frustrated people to somebody who is a right-hand man to Sean McVay and a former NFL quarterback as well. I mean, it just feels like a perfect fit for what they wanted to do to reset the organization. Well, I don't remember. Maybe it was something you wrote in Bring Me the News, or maybe it was Chad Graff in The Athletic. It was talking about collaboration, right? Harbaugh, I, I don't think would have been a bad hire. He would have came in, and I think the Vikings would have been very good. I think maybe Adolfo Mensa is looking into the future and saying, okay, who can I tie myself with for the next five years, and we can really start to build something. And when you're doing things based on a process – that can sometimes take time. So I think from that perspective, and I've read that from a lot of people who know a lot more than me, I think that makes sense. We're talking with Matthew Collar. What the heck happened to the Packers in the division around from your point of view? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I mean, I think number one is it snowed. That yeah. would be a good start. Um, that made things difficult on both teams. But also, and this is something I'm sure the Vikings are taking note of, Defensive lines in the playoffs, man. I mean, this is a reason to pick the Los Angeles Rams for the Super Bowl. But also, you know, Cincinnati doesn't have a joke of a D-line either. D-lines with violent players who can disrupt quarterbacks. I mean, that right there is always a formula. It worked last year for Tampa Bay. It worked back in the day for the Giants when they were slowing down Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And many, many other times that when you get into the playoffs and you have some dudes who can just beat the offensive lineman in front of them and wreak havoc, I think it it's tough. Um, and then, it's, you know, there's a little bit of randomness there, right? I mean, sure. a blocked punt. I mean, that's that, that and that's uh, sort of defines Aaron Rodgers' career in the playoffs in a lot of ways. It's just how many random events have kept him from the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, I, I've been thinking about this with quarterbacks and, and just how we categorize them of who, you know, greatness and that sort of thing. And with Rodgers, he's given the Packers like 10 chances to potentially win a Super Bowl over mm-hmm. his career. And he only ends up winning one, which tells you how hard it is. But look at some of the other guys. I mean, Roethlisberger probably gave his team that many chances, and they won two. Drew Brees won one. Like, this is generally how it works unless your name was Tom Brady. So, um, you know, I, I think it was kind of a, a culmination of those things. It wasn't the best matchup for the Packers, and then this one thing happened that, you know, could swing a game. And if that happens in the middle of the season, we go, oh, that was weird, on to next week. But when it happens in the playoffs, I mean, that's the last thing that you uh, get to remember, maybe of Aaron Rodgers as the Packers quarterback. Yeah, we don't know. So I don't disagree with anything you just said. There, There are instances in the postseason, in the last 10 years, where I watched Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lose in a playoff game, and I thought, okay, Rodgers, he didn't have a chance. This team wasn't as good as the other team. Rodgers elevated this team to a certain point, like the Peter principle, right? Like you're promoted to your level of incompetence. And I think with Aaron Rodgers, he will help his team get to a level where they don't belong. And then it'll show up in kind of an ugly way. And I think a 2016 against the Falcons or 
maybe 2019 against the Niners. I'm not going to lie, Matthew. That's not what I saw in this game. I did not watch this game and think, oh, my God, they're beating the hell out of Aaron Rodgers. On some plays, sure. But it felt like there was a million chances for Rodgers to grab that game by the horns and win 17 to 10. Like, just score two touchdowns, man. You know? And I... That really sticks with me, and I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's maybe I'm fatigued. Maybe what Aaron Rodgers has done over the last year has just bothered me to the point where I'm seeing this differently now. I, I don't know, but that game's going to stick with me with Rodgers. That, that game was there for the taking, and he should, against Jimmy G at home, be able to go take it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. And, uh, if you know, look, I mean, I think that all the circumstances played into it. You know, I think that San Francisco's defense that was really good, the weather – um, all those things, and then he didn't play particularly well. Like it seemed almost like he decided he was going to do his own research on the offense for that game because <laughs> it just didn't look like what I had seen from Matt Lafleur's offense no. with how how comfortable Rodgers so often has looked in that offense and, and how at ease and just you know sometimes in in the, these. Shanahan style offenses, all the quarterback has to do is just deliver the ball on time and then you get big yardage. But it seemed like he just didn't trust something or that, you know, maybe um, their San Francisco had a beat on something when it yeah. came to, you know, how they were playing defensively. And then look, I mean, it's tough when it's zero degrees and it's snowing and everything else. There aren't too many of these games that are like that, that end up being shootouts with the two quarterbacks. I mean, this was kind of a slugfest. So I think a perfect storm. I think it's fair to criticize Rodgers for that performance. Um, But, you know, overall, the number of times where he's been fantastic and has been the reason you're there, and he was absolutely the reason that, you know, the Packers had the one seed to begin with. So, I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. I, I guess I've gotten, when it comes to Super Bowls and playoffs, it's like, Everything just kind of has to go your way. But did you give yourself a chance? Like, being the one seed, yes. I mean, if you're the Vikings, Kirk Cousins has given you no chances to potentially make the Super Bowl. Like, zero since they signed him. Um, If you have a quarterback, that's what everybody's looking for, who's giving you chance after chance, there's probably another world where Seattle doesn't recover an onside kick or whatever, and, you know, Rodgers has three Super Bowls. It's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles i mean dan marino didn't it never got one and when i was growing up i mean dan marino was the best quarterback in the world um and yet you know joe montana had things go his way more often so i don't know it's it's always tough i mean i don't want to tell people that they shouldn't set the super bowl as the standard or not mm-hmm. to criticize the quarterback it's just that game was kind of a weird one yeah so you say final thing i want to talk about with matthew collar he's here from purple insider follow him on twitter matthew collar um the super bowl I watched the Bengals, Matthew, and we've told ourselves with the Packers, everything's got to go perfect. Everything's got to line up, like you said, right? And, and I agree. But then I watched the Bengals. I was like, okay, they're down 18 on the road, and they made it work. And their offensive line isn't great, and they made it work. So it, why is it for a team like the Bengals, it's working out in a way that it seems like it hasn't for the Packers, at least not for a long time since 2010? And I think that plays yeah, into I mean, a lot of the discourse around the Super Bowl, right? Like the Rams are better at all these things, and yet we're still attracted to the Bengals because they just seem to have this – this it factor that we can't explain. Yeah. I mean, I think also if you go through uh, the, the Bengals run and think about, you know, Ryan Tannehill's got a chance to go win that game and yep. throws an interception. Um, you know, this, this was a Peyton Manning thing for a long time where it's like, is Peyton clutch? Does Peyton really care? Phillip rivers ran into this as well, where I think, what was it? Phillip rivers had, they were about to beat the Patriots. His guy gets an interception on Tom Brady and then fumbles the ball back to the Patriots and loses a playoff game. I mean, yep. all of this stuff, 
You're right about, I mean, Patrick Mahomes forgetting how to play football for a half. Yeah. Taking a crazy, bizarre sack. Andy Reid botching game management. I mean, I guess that's predictable. But, um, <laughs> you know, how often do we see that play work where Tyreek Hill is running parallel to the line of scrimmage and he catches it and goes into the end zone? I mean, so many, and instead Eli Apple, of all people, ends up taking him down. It's just, you know, that's what it takes a lot of times is the stars to align for you. And what so often happens is, you know, I've seen conversations this week. Oh, how many how many Super Bowls will Burrow make? Like, I don't know. This might be the only one. I mean, because sometimes yeah. things go that way, or he might make three or four. I I don't know because when you get into the playoffs, these things have to fall your way. You have to be healthy. You have to have good luck, um, and that's kind of how it, you know it ends up crumbling. But um, you know, I think the the Bengals are are really captivating just because of how pathetic they were as a franchise, <laughs> and now they're here. So I yeah. think people want to see Joe Burrow, you know, tra- um, transform that franchise the way Brett Favre once did in Green Bay. Yeah, I think so. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Uh, a nice side effect of the Packers losing before the championship round, had a little time to calm down, and I don't harbor huge resentment for the team that's playing. Uh, I'm probably going to cheer for the Bengals, but if the Rams win, okay, whatever. It's not like they ripped my heart out on championship Sunday like the last two years. So I'll get over it, Matthew. I appreciate the time. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and at some point, maybe around the draft or whatever, I'd love to connect and have you back on as always. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thank you. That's Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Follow him on Twitter. It's just at Matthew Collar. Collar is spelled C-O-L-L-E-R. Very simple. Let's take a break. Come back. Maybe talk more a little bit about the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow thoughts, Matt Stafford thoughts. And then in the second half of the show, I want to get back into Leroy Butler. We got some people sending in stories on the Talk and Text line, which is really cool. A lot of people have Leroy Butler stories. Rodgers has won another MVP. We can talk about that. And the Bucks played an awesome game last night. And I have a couple of thoughts on that. So we'll try to fit all of that in before 6 o'clock. Wisco Sports Show. Big thank you to Matthew Collar. You can find his work at Purple Insider. He's got a syndicated column. Bring me the news. His podcast is awesome. He's got great guests. Really smart football breakdowns. Mostly for the Vikings, but for football as a whole. Matthew's really great. I appreciate his time. Follow him on Twitter, support his work, all that stuff. Rally behind guests of the show. We need to become a bastion of support for all these guys. That way they keep coming back. And I don't have to talk for 20 minutes. (laughs) A couple times a week. Hey, send me a text or give me a call. 608-796-2558. Leroy Butler's in the Hall of Fame. And I think... Of all the stories today that we can dwell on, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl and the Bucks played last night. We probably get to that. Rodgers got his fourth MVP. I think the big story today that I'm really enjoying talking about most is Leroy Butler becoming a Hall of Famer because he's deserving of that. He probably was years ago. There's other safeties that made it in from the 90s where you're like, okay, well, if they're in, probably, probably got to get Leroy in there. Also, he is the nicest and best human being possibly living on this planet. And anyone who has ever met him will tell you that. Now, I got a text here. I don't think there's a name to it. First-time texter. Says, hey, Grant, long-time listener. I wanted to share my Leroy story. First of all, I'm a huge fan. He was my first-ever Packer jersey. I ran into him at a pick-and-save at a parking lot in Racine. See, so many people bumped into him. This is why I asked. Says, I approached him with much respect. Just wanted to say hi. We chatted for a moment, and he asked if I wanted to get a photo. Said, of course. But I didn't have my phone. So he went to his car to get his phone, took a picture of us. Then he sent it to my email. (laughs) Congrats, Leroy Butler. I heard a bunch of stories on shows that I was listening to this morning. I I heard a story of someone who bumped into him in the grocery store, introduced themselves. Hey, I'm a big fan. You know, just want to let you know. And Leroy's like, oh, you want me to sign something? And Leroy had a Sharpie, 
and signed a can of soup because they were in the soup aisle and he had nothing else to sign. So it's like, here, take this 99 cent can of tomato soup. I'm going to sign it and then take it, which is funny. Like, that's almost better than a, a piece of Packers gear. If you have a soup can signed by Leroy Butler and an awesome story to go along with it. And it's not just photo ops and autographs, although there's countless people that I've heard today and seen on Twitter that have stories like that. Another thing is just how much he gives back. Um, and if you don't know Leroy's story, he was really disabled as a child. Mentally, physically, he was in a wheelchair. He had club feet. He grew up in Florida in, in big-time poverty and was able to overcome all that, obviously get to the NFL, and now he's a Hall of Famer. And he's connected with a lot of parents, uh, boys and girls clubs, schools around the state, and helped children who have similar things like that going on in their life. Right. And you can hear from parents who says he's personable, checks in with kids, super involved. He's just he's a treasure of a human being. He's been on the show twice. I've never met him in person, but talked to him just for show purposes. The most genuine, the most genuine guest I've ever had on, uh, except for Zach Heilpern, obviously. Zach is as lovey-dovey as it gets. But other than Zach, <laughs> Leroy would be next. Uh, it's a day that definitely calls for a little bit of celebration, and I'm really happy uh, that Leroy is finally going to be in. I'm not saying that I was more happy about that than Rodgers winning the MVP last night. But the MVP wasn't a surprise. We we kind of knew that that was going to be the case. So we were all paying attention to the, the news, whether Leroy would be getting in or not. And I think Packers fans, after a bumpy two years here of Rodgers controversy and debate on the future, we all kind of all kind of rallied around and and became united for a couple of hours last night, celebrating one of the greatest Packers uh, in team history and one that invented the Lambo Leap, of course, as well. So we'll talk more about that coming up next. Hit me up. I want to talk with you. 608-796-2558. More Rogers, more Butler, and maybe if we have time, little bucks. But first, an update from our buddy, the so personable, so friendly, Zach Heilprin. where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We got to get all our Super Bowl topics in for the next hour. Because when 6 o'clock rolls around, we're done, right? Then we're talking next Monday about the end of the NFL season. So we got to do the the classic debates, you know, over under on the national anthem length. We got to do boneless versus bone in. That's not even a debate. It's bone in, of course. Um, best dips. I'm going to make my own taco dip on Sunday because who set the price of taco dip? Going to be one of the richest people in the world. Who just decided that taco dip was going to be the most damn expensive product on the shelf? It's like beef jerky. Who made that decision? I'm going to make my own taco dip on Sunday. Uh, we could debate the best halftime shows of all time. Uh, Coldplay. Well, Coldplay's number one, but then, you know, the conversation starts after uh, <laughs> starts after that. Yeah, we can talk Super Bowl, absolutely, and we will. Thoughts on Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, any kind of predictions you have for the game? i just love to hear from you. Let's chat about the last game of the football season while we still can, because come next week, we won't be able to. So I'd love to hear from you on that. Leroy Butler's in the Hall of Fame. Aaron Rodgers has his fourth MVP. And the Bucks and Suns played a really fun game last night. All of that is on the table. Jump in if you'd like. 608-796-2558. You can follow me on Twitter and tweet me anytime, but especially during the show when we can go back and forth. 
find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had a fantastic day. Something hits a little bit different about finishing the last day of work before the Super Bowl. And we're not doing a Super Bowl party this year. This is this is how I've got it kind of coined and figured out. Uh, me and my roommate, we have a we have a big house. We can entertain, uh, and we do from time to time. We're deciding if we wanted to go to a Super Bowl party or host one ourselves, and we just kind of decided let's make all the food that we would for a party, and let's buy all the drinks that we would for a party, and then just not invite anyone, and it's all ours. <laughs> and I like I think that's the way to go. Make all the food like you're throwing a party, and then just hoard it all to yourself and don't invite anyone so you don't have to deal with people in your house uh, and your house getting all trashed. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to make a bunch of food and then not invite anyone over to eat it all. So I'm going to be eating leftovers all next week. You got a text here from Matt and Rockland. Leroy Butler story. Let's go. I have a Leroy Butler story, writes Matt. In 2014, when the Cowboys played the Packers, yep, the Des Bryant game, Leroy had a contest on his Facebook page to guess DeMarco Murray's total yards of offense for the game. I was one of five who got the yardage exactly right, and I was notified that I won the random drawing. I received an autographed picture of him doing the first Lambo leap. It also included a note saying if I ever needed to reach out to him for any reason not to hesitate. Awesome dude, and I'm so happy for him. Right, right, Matt, right. It's not that I'm not happy for anyone who gets into the Hall of Fame. It's a huge accomplishment, and it's worth celebrating for anyone that's inducted. But this one's this one's a little different, and I've never even met him. I've had him on the show uh, twice. And just through the phone, you know, I can tell that this is a genuine guy and he's present. Like for the 15 minutes that I had him on the phone, that was it. He was on the phone with me. He was pouring 100% of him into this interview, answering these questions, being personable with me. There was nothing else going on in his world. You could tell by the way he was listening and, and going back and forth and the way he was communicating. Like he was, he was there. He was present for that 15 minutes. He was Leroy Butler on the Wisco sports show and he was thrilled to be there. He was happy. He was more happy to be on the show that day than I am to be on the show most days. Uh, and that kind of thing stands out. Not that all guests aren't personable, but a lot of the guests who I have on, I have on more than once. You build a rapport, right? You BS about things that aren't just sports, and you get a little bit of a relationship. I didn't have that with Leroy. Um, and I had him on, and he talked to me like I was his best friend. And I, I think a lot of people have that experience with Leroy Butler, whether you bump into him in the grocery store, in the parking lot, or you want a contest. He's always trying to help people. Always. Right? By visiting schools, visiting boys and girls clubs, talking with individuals, right? And Leroy Butler didn't have a silver spoon childhood, right? Grew up in poverty. Grew up disabled. Really a, a long shot and a pretty crazy story to when he got to the NFL. And I think he's always remembered that based on the way he stays involved in the community and and talks with others. Here's Leroy Butler last night talking about how waiting to get into the Hall of Fame is a little bit like waiting on a proposal. And then my wife said, now you know what a woman feels like when a guy wants to get married. We wait for guys all the time to propose, and they never do. But sooner or later, they do. So today, we got married. <laughs> that's, a pretty, that's a pretty funny analogy. And, it, you know, it's pretty accurate, too, to think that like when, like when you're with your significant other, like I have friends, I'm 20, I'm going to be 24 here in two weeks. Um, and I have friends that are engaged and, and married. I'm going to a buddy's wedding next Friday. So I'm going to be off next Friday, by the way, uh, before I get attacked, especially by a couple of individuals on one of our stations. Like I always do when I'm off for a day, we all know who we're talking about. Um, I have friends my age who are married, getting married and are engaged, but I also have couples that are my age 
that know they're getting married one day talk openly about it. Oh, I can't, you know, at this, we're going to have to do this at our wedding. You know, one day when we own a house, like very clearly, decidedly getting married. And I like to think that despite a little bit of a delay, Leroy Butler was always going to get into the Hall of Fame. He was just too good of a player not to. He played such a role on a really historically relevant team. You really can't tell the story of the 90s without the Packers. You can't tell the story of the NFL without the Packers. You can't tell the story of the Packers without Favre. You can't tell the story of Favre without the 90s Packers. And you can't tell the story of the 90s Packers without Leroy Butler. Okay? So just through that logic, he was always going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Just like some couples know that, well, one day we're going to get married, even if we don't know when and where. I'd like to think that Laura Butler was always going to get in. It probably does feel like you're waiting on a proposal, right? You know the inevitable's coming. You're waiting for it. You're hoping today's the day. You're hoping this year is the year. And it just hadn't happened for him yet. And I'm glad that it didn't end up in a place like it was with Jerry Kramer, where it's 50 years later and you're having to campaign and not politicize it in a political way, but you're having to make your own case and campaign and raise awareness because that's the point that it gets to for some of these players. That's where it got for Jerry Kramer. And there were people who stood on a soapbox for Leroy Butler to tell his story. Like Pete Doherty, I think, played a huge role in this. Again, I think Leroy was always going to get in. But if he's always going to get in, why are we going to make him wait until he's 70? Let him celebrate this with his family. Let him celebrate it. Like, let him celebrate it before it's 60 years later. Before we're going back and we're watching the 90s Packers on a black and white VHS. You know what I mean? So even if it was always inevitable, and, and sometimes that's the way that the Hall of Fame works. So, well, he'll get in, but not yet. Well, okay. Who, elect, who elected you, Father Time? Like, well, just put him in if he's going to be in. So I'm glad he was able to get in last night. Um, we got a couple more texts here. Jason in on Alaska. Uh, oh, you're talking about the Super Party. I did the same thing last year for the Super Bowl. Party with no guests. Best bowl experience I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of selfish, but it's the way to go. You make food like you're having people over, and then you just don't have people over. <laughs> it's the best. I'm serious. Make a bunch of dip, make wings, make a stupid amount of food, and then just don't have anyone over to help you eat it. It, it really is the way to go. So we can celebrate Leroy Butler tonight, and we will continue to do so. Aaron Rodgers won his fourth MVP last night. I have his, his expectant speech. I can't speak this week. That's another thing that I've realized. I have his acceptance speech, which is two minutes long. And I saw a lot of reaction to this last night. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play it. We're going to listen to it in its entirety. Um, and then I'm going to tell you why I think this is the most insignificant two minutes of Rogers speaking all season long, despite people wanting to turn this into something. Here's Aaron Rodgers last night after winning his fourth MVP. What a year. Huh? What uh, a year. <laughs> first, I got I to gotta say it's an honor to share the stage with Peyton Manning, a man who's won this award five times. You inspired a generation of quarterbacks, myself included, buddy, and proud to share the stage with you tonight. Thank you. I'd like to thank the Green Bay Packers, Mark, Brian, Russ, our incredible fan base. It's been uh, an amazing 17 years. So thankful for the memories and the moments over the years. Uh, I'd like to thank Matt LaFleur and his perfectly groomed eyebrows. <laughs> we had Matt, there you are. Bree, thank you. Great job tonight on those. But in all seriousness, two out of three years winning this thing, you're a huge part of this. I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for me, supporting me, empowering me, and making things easy for me. Appreciate you, buddy.
like to thank my teammates. Uh, this is a special league that provides you so many incredible friendships that last longer than your time in the league. And I'm so thankful for the guys that get to come to work with every day, the memories, the jokes in the locker room, and going to battle with them every week. Uh, I'd like to thank my inner circle. You know who you are. Thanks for your love and support this season. Your consistency, reaching out like you do, it means the world to me. My Friday night crew, I love you guys, and you guys uh, are a big reason I'm standing here. And lastly, I'd like to dedicate this award to the memory of two really important people to me who passed on in the last couple years. First is the man that drafted me in 2005, Ted Thompson. And the second is someone that many people here are familiar with, former producer of the ESPYs and the NFL Honors, a dear and loyal friend, Maura Matt. Thank you. I gotta say, pretty good speech. His outfit was 10 out of 10 to corduroy suit, worked well with the long hair. It was, you know, I've, I've, I haven't ripped Rodgers, but throughout this year, I've been like, man, graphic tees, okay. We're a millionaire quarterback here. Let's, let's come on. Let's be a little bit better. Or the long hair. Like, at times I've questioned it. I, I will give him credit. Last night, oh, yeah, it all came together. That was an excellent look and a really good speech. Personable, tucked everything into two minutes. It was crisp. No one was waiting around. It wasn't awkward. It was really well done. So last night, of course, gives a speech, sits down, wins the fourth MVP. The NFL honors move along. Uh, and Packers fans migrate to Twitter to talk about it. Leroy Butler's in the Hall of Fame. Now Aaron Rodgers has an MVP, so let's go. Type, 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 type. And everyone's, you know, talking about it. And I saw a lot of Packers media, whether it be the beat, or, you know, more casual bloggers or whatever, people who follow the team, kind of giving their two cents on this acceptance speech and whether or not it, it sounded like he's coming back. Maybe he's on his way out. Maybe he's going to retire. I don't know. We're, tr- we're trying to read the, read the tea leaves, I believe is the cliche. I remember last year after his presser, after the Buccaneers game, I think it was Jason Wildey who tweeted, that sure sounded like a man saying goodbye. And that blew up, right? People were arguing, no, it didn't. Or yeah, yes, it did. And we we broke down that press conference to the nth degree. I did, I remember. I said, hey, everyone, why don't you hop off him a little bit? He just played really well in an NFL, NFC championship game that he lost. He's having a rough night. Maybe let's not break down every word he says as some means to figure out his future, right? So we're trying to do the same thing last night. Oh, what did he say? He sounded he sounded like he's on his way out the door thanking Green Bay for 17 years of memories and thanking the front office and the fans. And I just, look, I don't think this means anything. I think whatever you felt going into last night about Rodgers, he's going to retire. He's going to go somewhere else. He's coming back. Whatever you felt coming in, you watched that speech and, and you just, you became more convinced Right. If you believed him to be coming back to Green Bay next season, you would hear that and say, oh, he thanked the front office. Him and Brian are on good terms. And then the, the great fans, he loves his great fans. And he, he's talking about Green Bay. He loves Green Bay again. He's coming back. And if you previously to last night believed that he would be moving on after this season and, and into this offseason, into the summer, you'd watch that speech and say, well, he's saying thank you. And he's being very reflective on his 17 years. Right. And he's talking about uh, about Ted Thompson on his way out the door. And it, it sounds like he's closing a chapter of uh, of his life. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe that speech is a way of saying goodbye. Maybe that speech is a signal that he's fallen back in love with Green Bay and he's on good terms with the front office. Maybe. I think we're going to hear and see what we want to hear and see when we watch that speech and listen to that speech. I don't think that speech means anything. 
Now, I guess we're talking about it on the show, so it's it's interesting enough to to try to break down. I, I just this is the way that Rogers always talks, and as a a radio guy that watches all of his press conferences and gets sent the clips by Mike Clements. You know, Aaron Rodgers does a Wednesday presser. He'll do Pat McAfee on Tuesday, but then he'll do his his availability with the local Green Bay media on Wednesday, and Mike Clements will send me all the little individual cuts. And as a radio guy, I go through these cuts, and, well, this one's two minutes, and this one's a minute and a half, and this one's three minutes. He talks forever. He uses a lot of words to sometimes say not very much. So to listen to this speech and think, well, listen to how he's being so thorough. He's thanking everyone. He's talking about his last 17 years. He always talks like that. Always. This is just more of what we've heard for the last year. Aaron Rodgers speaks like he's about to get on a space shuttle and leave Earth and never come back. You know what I mean? That's how he speaks. It's like, man, I've had a great time. This is, uh, I'm very thankful and I've uh, had a lot of good time, a lot of good memories that I'll always look back and I'm, I got a lot of gratitude. It's like, are you dying? (laughs) Are you on your deathbed and we don't know it? Because that's that's how he talks, right? Every time he opens his mouth, it sounds like the last time he's ever going to speak again. And that's not unique to last night. Every press conference was like that. Every time he opens his mouth to a microphone, he talks for a long time. Very comprehensive, very thorough with everything he says. So I think we'd be making mountains out of molehills to listen to that speech from last night and try to turn it into a farewell address or to turn it into some announcement that he's coming back for next year. Maybe he is coming back. Maybe he's leaving. But I think it's a huge waste of time to try to discern either one of those conclusions from a two-minute speech where he sounded like he always sounds. Let's take a break. We can talk more about the Packers, Leroy Butler, Aaron Rodgers. At some point between now and 6 o'clock, I do want to talk about the Bucks. I'm just trying to think of how I can best do that. I think we're going to do Packers for at least another 10 minutes. And if you have something that you want to add or something that you want to talk about, let me know. 608-796-2558. I will talk Packers as long as you want to talk Packers. And when it seems like the energy is dying, like there's a lull, I'm going to switch the bucks. So if you don't want me to switch the bucks, give me a call. Give me a text because we still have time to talk plenty of Packers. We'll be back on the Wisco Sports Show in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And here's Evans back to throw on second down. They chase him out of the pocket. It's a screen. And he sets a screen up and it's knocked down at a 38 yard line. A fumble. Tackle. Do the Packers have the ball? Apparently they do. And they're going to get it. Now the Butler goes to the touchdown. Is that a touchdown or not? Well, they don't know where they're going to call it. Nobody wants to call anything. Yeah. Well, the officials are going to confer. Let's see what they're going to do here. I thought he was tackled. Did he fumble or did they get a touchdown? It is a touchdown for Leroy Butler. Holy cow, and the fumble recovery. And the Packers go up 20 to nothing. It's good to know, and it's reassuring to me that even back in the 90s, there were plays where the announcers were like, what the hell are the refs doing? Like, do I call this a touchdown? What, what do I do? When Joe Buck is just waiting for Al Michaels, it's like, not really sure what the call is. No signal yet. It's good to know that that totally isn't fully a product of replay and the way that the game is approached. Now, it's always been a thing. I think the player was down, and I think Reggie White was out of bounds on that play. But who cares? It's a fun memory. <laughs> That's the way I'm going to choose to look at it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I appreciate you hanging out tonight talked a lot about Leroy Butler. It's about darn time as Aaron texts in and says, shame that it's took this long. 
You can text in as well or give me a call. Even better, 608-796-2558. Southside Geo. Amazing speech from Rogers. Succinct, meaningful, just really well done. Whether or not 12 stays in Green Bay, his legacy will forever be remembered with his accolades and what he means to Packer Nation. Four times, or four-time MVP is the man. Southside Geo, thank you, Why is that? Thank you, Geo. Jason Breacher says, you are totally nailing this take. I agree with you. Yeah, on the speech from last night, yeah, I don't, I don't let's, let's not, let's not make our lives harder than our lives need to be, okay? I have some advice, and I'm young. I'm hardly ever in a position to give advice, but I watch enough sports, and I listen to enough sports radio and watch enough sports TV that I, I'm in a place to give some advice here. So Packers fans, Bucks fans, Brewers fans, listen up for a sec. Gather around. I'm going to get up on my, oh, I'm going to get up on my soapbox here. If you care about your sports teams, and if you're here listening to the show, you care at least a little. Some of you, probably more than others, but you are emotionally attached. You are emotionally, irrationally attached as a fan, which, by the way, is short for fanatic. Not a lot of people ever say that. (laughs) right? You are attached emotionally. This means something to you. So when your team loses, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. Ruin your day. When your favorite player leaves or goes somewhere else or gets injured and misses time, it, it sucks, right? It's connected to us. It's emotional, right? If you are a fan, especially multiple teams, and I bet a lot of you are, you know, Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. Over the course of your life, there are going to be countless scenarios where your teams really just let you down. (laughs) Actually, they will let you down more often than they lift you up with a championship or a great playoff run. Your teams are going to let you down a lot, and they're going to stress you out a lot, and they're going to beat you up with bad losses a lot, and you're going to have lots of players that you love that play for your team, and you never want them to leave, and you know what? They're going to leave. There's a lot of things like that that'll happen over the course of your life, your sports fandom career. Don't create extra things that let you down. Don't create extra stresses for your sports teams that don't exist because there's enough stressors already, right? So Rodgers might leave. He's going to retire or leave one day. Might be this offseason, might be next. And when he does, it'll suck. It'll sting. Don't listen to the speech and stress yourself out and make it a thing. Because it doesn't have to be a thing. Don't create things that don't need to be things. That's my advice for you today. Inspirational as can be, right? Uh, Should we play the speech one more time? Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to play this. This is two minutes long. I might cut it out halfway through just because I need to make a point. What a year, huh? What a year. Uh, First, I got to say it's an honor to share the stage with Peyton Manning, a man who's won this award five times. You inspired a generation of quarterbacks, myself included, buddy, and proud to share the stage with you tonight. By the way, Aaron Rodgers now second in NFL history, four MVPs, alone behind Manning, who has five. Everyone else has three. I'd like to thank the Green Bay Packers, Mark, Brian, Russ, our incredible fan base. It's been uh, an amazing 17 years. So thankful for the memories and the moments over the years. Uh, I'd like to thank Matt LaFleur and his perfectly groomed eyebrows. Oh, yeah, Matt, there you are. Great, thank you. Great job tonight on those. But in all seriousness, two out of three years winning this thing, you're a huge part of this. I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for trimming, supporting me, empowering me, and making things easy for me. All right. So he talks to Matt LaFleur there, talks to the Packers organization, the fans, the front office. I think a lot of fans hear that. And they think one of two things. They think he's saying goodbye. 
He's saying farewell. He's he's signing off for the last time. Maybe he is, uh, but I but I don't think we can. I don't think we can know that for sure after listening to that. It's probably a lot of fans that hear that and they think the opposite. They think, "Wow, him and him and Brian Gutekinds, they're, fr- they're friends again. They're back, better than ever." so clear it's so obvious he's coming back he's back in love with the city of green bay he's talking i've been here for 17 years it's been the best 17 years of my life and you know what let's not stop there let's go for 18 maybe but i think whatever this speech leads you to believe i think is what you believed in the first place right and that's just kind of how humans work we have something we believe strongly we consume something and we find a way to consume that something in a way that furthers what we already believed. Right? Let's think of uh, let's think of an example. Mm, I don't know. God, can I really not come up with something? Uh, let's say you think that. Oh, here's a good one. You're anti-LeBron. You don't like LeBron, right? You don't like LeBron. You don't think he's. You think he's overrated. You think Michael Jordan's better. LeBron is selfish. I don't like his personality. He always has to make it about him. Uh, He bounces from team to team, which is bad for the NBA. I don't like LeBron. I'm not a LeBron fan. So I turn on a Lakers game, and I watch LeBron play. And I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm not not coming into this game with an open mind. I'm coming into this game as someone who doesn't like LeBron. And it's the final two minutes, and it's a close game. We got crunch time. Here we go. So you lean into the TV, and you're watching LeBron. I don't like LeBron, but here I am. I'm watching him. They're, uh, they're, They're playing the Warriors. They're going up against Steph Curry and the Warriors. The Lakers are down by one. There's 30 seconds left. So this possession's huge. If you don't get points here, ball goes back to the Warriors, and now you got to start fouling. So this possession is huge. LeBron's dribbling at the top of the key. Dribble, dribble, dribble. They bring him a screen, goes to the right side, takes a jab step, shoots a fadeaway jumper. Contested. Contested jumper. And he misses. Now, if you are not a LeBron fan, you watch that and you say, uh, ah, should have passed. He should have passed. This guy was open over here. What an idiot. Selfish. Selfish as hell. So come on, come on. You got to, LeBron, what are you doing? You're trying to be the hero, right? Where if you came into that game and you loved LeBron, you would watch the same play and you would think, God, that's LeBron. He takes responsibility. He wants to be the one to take the last shot because he knows he's the best player on his team and that falls on him. Good for him. He's not leaving it up to Austin Reeves. He's not passing the ball to Malik Monk. He's going to take that shot himself because he takes ownership of this game. Good for LeBron. You see what I'm saying? So two different fans who come into a game believing two different things watch the same play and draw a completely different conclusion. I think that's what's happening with this Aaron Rodgers acceptance speech. And I almost don't like using this as an example because it it sounds all uppity. It's, I, don't know, like, like it's, I don't know how to describe this. You know what a Rorschach test is? I think we most of us do, right? Right, where you, you look at a piece of paper with some ink blots and you're like, what do you see? And people looking at the same picture see different things. That would be watching LeBron at the end of the game. Or that would be listening to this Aaron Rodgers acceptance speech. You probably are just going to continue to believe what you already believe, and you're going to find a way to, to take the speech and use it as evidence. Well, he loves Green Bay. Of course he's coming back. Listen, he's talking about how he's buddies with Brian. Or if you believe that he was leaving, you'd say, well, he's on his way out. Of course. Listen, he's thanking the organization. I mean, geez, he's giving a farewell speech. Just leave it. Just leave this be. Just, just ignore this. It's a nice moment. It was a celebration of his fourth MVP. The hair looked great. The suit was suit was fantastic. It was excellent. 
Don't make this stressful. Don't make this a thing. We're going to have so many things this offseason where the boob Jared Stillmans of the world do a, a breaking story about how Aaron Rodgers is, quote, open to joining the Titans. Quote, open. It's like, that's nothing. I'm not making that into a thing. I'm not making this speech into a thing. There will be plenty of things, and there will be plenty of things between the Packers and the Brewers and the Badgers and the Bucks that piss me off and ruin my week. And that's just part of being a sports fan. Don't create extra things that are going to rip your heart out and piss you off. This is not a thing. Don't make it one. Let's take a break. Talk more about the Packers coming up next, and I got some things to say about the Bucks next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. Happy Friday. This has been a fun show. Monday and Tuesday this week. I'll just, I'll put it on myself. I had, I had two kind of ho-hum shows. Anja, I'll be honest. They were great. But to be fair, what am I supposed to work with? We didn't have football on Sunday. I did my best. As the week has gone along, Tuesday, a little bit better. Wednesday, very good. Two great basketball games on Tuesday night. Bucks beat the Lakers. Wisconsin won at Michigan State. So that was great. Wednesday, a little bit better. Yesterday was excellent. We had two great guests doing trade deadline things. Justin Garcia was here. Bucks Film Room, Brian Sampson, good friend of show, was here. And then today, Matthew Collar was here. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. We're talking about Leroy Butler, which is like the best feel-good story ever, finally getting into the Hall of Fame. And we've talked about Aaron Rodgers winning his fourth MVP. Now, I'm going to do something. And I, I, I'm going to do something here, okay? I told you about 20 minutes ago. I'm going to talk Packers until at least 5.30. And if you have anything you want to add, if there's anything you want to chime in on, if there's questions, topics, whatever, give me a call or give me a text, okay? 608-796-2558. You know that's the number. You can find me on Twitter, Grant Bills, at Wisco Grant. Now, no one has sent anything in. No one has called or texted. So I'm taking this as a sign, as a signal that I can talk about the Bucks for a few minutes, okay? They played the Suns last night. This is one of those regular season games that you see on the schedule two weeks away, and you think, yep, Yep, I got to I gotta watch that. I got to be home for that. I, I can't be out and about. I can't have plans. I, I got to watch that game. Because you only get, I don't know, 10 games like this a year, maybe. And you hope that they're nationally televised. Most of the time they are, but sometimes they're surprise teams, like the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. They're not on national TV as much as they probably should be because who really expected them to be this good coming into this year? Bucks Suns? Yeah, of course this game was on TNT because these teams were in the finals last year. Now... The point of this conversation about last night's game, this was a game that the Bucks lost. What was the final score? 131-107. The point of this conversation is not to say, yeah, here's why the Bucks lost, uh, A, B, C, and D. <laughs> that would be dumb. It's February. It doesn't really matter why they lost this individual game. Now we can talk about it for a minute. I have a couple bullet points, sure. But I don't want to make this a, a conversation about how in the grand scheme of things they failed and this is why Coach Bud is bad and why Giannis is bad. Um, we want to do big picture stuff, right? What does this game mean for big picture and, and heading towards the playoffs? So that's what I want to do. But first, we're going to talk to Eric on I-90. Eric, hello, my friend. Happy Friday. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Grant? Uh, I'm doing well. Leroy Butler getting into the Hall of Fame, and, and you're a Vikings fan. Um, so I, I don't want to say that you don't understand what this feels like, but this is this means a lot to Packers fans. We've been cheering for this for a while. So I think that's affecting everyone's mood today. Oh, I think Leroy Butler deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah. I, I think watched so too. Leroy Butler play a lot of football. He's a he's a class act. 
All right, look at us agreeing on things. I like this. Yeah, he's, uh, well, he invented the Lambo Leap, right? Yeah, he was the first guy to jump into the stands, absolutely. Right, he should probably get in just for that. Yeah, I, should the Packers retire his number? That's what I'm, that's another thing I think about. I, I don't know, I don't Ooh. know. He's right on that line. Ooh, there's, there's some pretty big names up there. Yeah, there's very few. There I don't really know. Is. I don't Very few. Think so. I don't know about that. That's that's stretching it now, Grant. It just it just sucks know. when you got to see uh, Ladarius Gunter wearing number thirty six. It's like, oh god, you you got to be Nick Collins. Like Nick Collins well, wore it. That's right. fair, but some of these other guys. It, they should reserve it for somebody who's decent. You can't right? suck. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't suck. Yeah, you can't suck to have this number. Oh, that's um, funny. No, I really think he deserves it. And, um, great player. I mean. Yeah. So I can appreciate some great Packer players, even though I'm a Vikings fan. I mean, that's 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 okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I really like. You know, the Viking that I really liked for the longest time uh, was Brian Robison. I always liked him. So as long as if yeah. we're if we're going back and yeah. forth and, and telling each other which players we appreciate from each other's teams, I will cast my my confidence in Brian Robison. I was always a fan. Liked him. Nice, nice. So we got a Super Bowl coming up. I want to talk Bucks too, but we got a Super Bowl coming up. And who do you like? Um, every bit of solid evidence says the Rams. So that's the smart right? pick. But everyone is picking with their heart. They want to take the Bengals, and I feel a little bit of that too. I don't know. I don't know who I'd pick. If I had to put money on it, I'd probably take the Rams. But uh, part of me hopes the Bengals you know really show up and play well too. Right, but you don't have any crow to eat now if, if that quarterback wins the Super Bowl, do you? Matthew's, you haven't been nice to him. Oh, no. If Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl, yeah. I mean, I think just what he's proven in the last three weeks alone, he can he's shown that he can string it together and, and play well enough to win big games, even if they lose the Super Bowl. Eric, I, I believe, and someone might say this is a loser mentality, which is dumb, but I, I know the listeners and the people who would, who would tell this to me. I, I think as a quarterback or as a coach, you got to get to the Super Bowl. You got to get to the NBA Finals. You got to get to the World Series, and then it's it's game on. And then it's you know a flip a coin, anyone's game. Like th- then the rules change a little bit. Just getting there, I, I think, proves a-, a-, a huge accomplishment for Matthew Stafford that I didn't think was possible before this year. So yeah, I'll eat crow on that one hundred percent. Right. He's not. A, he's not but, but, you know, he's not going to be considered a great quarterback with one win. He's not. No. Well, one Super Bowl win. He's not going to be like great. I mean, that's what Rodgers has. He's going to be really, really good. Oh, well, Rodgers has got a lot more stats and MVPs. a lot more wins. Yeah, MVPs. Yeah, you're MVPs, right. MVPs, all that, all that stuff. It all piles up. Yeah. Now, the Bucks. You know, the Bucks lost the other night. They did. And I couldn't even watch it because I'm old and I fall asleep at 8.30. <laughs> They've been on the so, West Coast. It's probably been I, killing you. It has. I can't watch a game. I, uh, my wife plays me the highlights of the game. You have a nice so, wife. Very concerned. Um, yeah, she does. She does. She, she's a Bucks fan as well. But now, how about our trades with this? Uh, the big ragu is gone. Yeah. I liked him. I did, too. He was just playing so poorly this year. He was a walking turnover, and he couldn't finish at the rim. And now, of course, the day they trade him, Pat Connaughton gets hurt. Of course, that's how it works. But I liked him, too. But Right. I get why they did it. How about it. Uh, this James Harden? Harden trade. What did you think of that? Uh, I, I'm actually going to talk about that to close the show. I think it's funny 
And I think if I didn't like the NBA, I would look at that trade and think it's the dumbest thing and it's stupid and the NBA is horrible. But I love the league. I love the NBA, so I don't feel that way. Well, isn't he, you know, I didn't get to watch, I didn't watch any basketball when he was a younger player. And I imagine he brought more to the table than he, than he has since I've been watching, like the past three years. Yeah. Okay? But doesn't he have an overwhelmingly high amount of free throw points? Yes. In his point total. Yeah. He's always, he's been and, been really I, good at getting calls, getting to the line. He, he holds the ball for a long time. I mean, he won an MVP in 2017. He's offensively one of the best players ever. Um, it's just the last couple of years. I I personally think he's been a little overweight the last few years. Uh, sometimes his attitude has sucked for one reason or another. I think that's what's changed the last few years since he won that MVP. I think it was in 2017. But they did a little bit of a rule change just here, here too, that, that kind of affects him a little bit, right? Yep, yep. He's been his free throw attempts are a lot lower this year. You're right. Right, and I mean, I, I kind of get because I'm I'm old like him. You know, when you get older, that might be his only game left, right? When you compare him to like Giannis and all these young players, yeah. I don't think he can, I don't think he can run in the same circles anymore. No, that's my guess. No, I don't think you're wrong. I think it makes I, I think it makes both of those teams better um, and closer to the Bucks. We'll see. I think this Bucks trade with Serge Ibaka. I think that's going to help him. Eric, I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to talk more about this. You have a great weekend, buddy. Talk to you, bud. Yeah, hey. you too, bud. Yeah, Eric on I-90. Have a good weekend. I appreciate the call. Yeah, I think the Nets and the Sixers both got better. That's going to be my last little rant of the day. That'll be like the last four minutes of the show, and most of it is ripped off from uh, a rant that Ryan Rossillo had on his podcast uh, today. So I'll credit him. I thought it was a brilliant point, and I'm just going to kind of reiterate it coming up next. With the Bucks last night, who also made a trade, Dante DiVincenzo's gone, Serge Ibaka's in, and the day that they trade away some wing depth, Pat Connaughton breaks a finger, of course. Bucks were close for two and a half quarters last night, and then it got away from they lose 131-107. Couple of things. Suns did a really good job making life hard for Giannis. They did a really good job plugging the paint. Phoenix had 68 points in the paint. The Bucks only had 50. Now, DeAndre Ayton was spectacular last night. That's as good as I've seen him look all year. Um, not saying it was an outlier, no, but I like that's that's great. DeAndre Ayton was great. Oh, I'm not I'm not using that as a detraction. He was awesome. Good for DeAndre Ayton. But even so, the Bucks shouldn't be getting crushed in the paint, really by anyone. Especially if they're able to get Serge Ibaka in and if they can get Brooke Lopez back. They are a little small right now, but they shouldn't be getting crushed in the paint by anybody. All right. So that was a big factor last night. Giannis did do a good job of getting the ball to open guys. They showed Giannis a lot of attention. I thought they had a pretty good game plan for him. And Giannis moved to the ball. He's an accurate, crisp passer, found guys. The three-point shooting wasn't great, right? The Bucs shot 26%, which is poor. The Suns only shot 30%, but the Bucs needed their three-pointers more last night. They needed the threes. Middleton was one of six. Eh, Drew hit three of four. Drew had a great night last night. Grayson hit two of six. Portis was one of five. The, the shooting performance that really stung last night was Pat Connaughton going one of seven. They can absorb Middleton not having a great night from three. He still had 21 points and was getting some, some mid-range shots, some tough shots. It was impressive. Drew was good. They don't need Grayson Allen, Portis, and Pat to all be good, but they can't have Portis and Pat combined to go two of 12. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to be good enough. So that was a big factor last night, and they turned the ball over a lot. Right. Remember what Greg Gard said on Tuesday night, and I played it on this show on Wednesday, 
about their success on the road. Remember the big point here? I have the audio. They understand each possession is valuable, oh. especially when you're on the road. You want to Ooh. hold the momentum, uh, do what you can do to keep the crowd out of it. And uh, I thought, like I said, all in all, everybody did a good job of following the plan that we had worked on for the last day or so. Valuing every possession when you're playing on the road or when you're playing against a great team, especially when you're playing against a great team also on the road. Value every possession. Bucks had a lot of bad passes, a lot of just dumb, spacey turnovers. There are going to be turnovers naturally throughout the course of a game. You don't want extra ones. You don't want to commit preventable, stupid, lack of concentration turnovers. If you turn the ball over being aggressive, okay, that'll happen. But you can't have a situation where a player spaces out and makes a bad pass and gives away a free possession. Milwaukee had 14 turnovers to Phoenix's eight. It's too many wasted possessions. Suns did a really good job letting the Bucks get the ball into the post or into the dunker spot, which is a good thing, and then cutting it off. So the ball would get dumped down underneath and then be like, oh, good good entry pass, and then what next? And that led to a lot of turnovers when they're trying to pass kind of in a phone booth underneath the, the you know, the rim when the person who's receiving the pass is close quarters, heavily defended, not really ready for the ball, it's playing in a phone booth. So that's kind of how last night's game went. That, that tells the story of why the final score looked like what it did. Zoom out big picture. My God, what a game. Like the first half, we were watching it uh, at a neighborhood bar close to my house on the south side of lacrosse. And I kept slapping the bar and saying, wow, this is a good basketball game. This is high quality NBA basketball, right? The NBA and NBA fans should wrap their arms around the Bucks and the Suns and just hold on tight. These teams are so likable. Homegrown, there's no drama with player movement. There's no super team factor to either one of these teams. There are two markets that have been historically relevant, but not in a redundant way. Like Phoenix has been good. They were also really bad for a couple of years. The Bucks have had good years, but they've also had terrible stretches. The bad stretch is a little bit longer than the good ones. These two teams and this matchup is one that NBA fans should circle on their calendar every time it happens. It's one that the league should look to highlight in every possible way that they can. I thought tucking it on trade deadline day was kind of dumb personally, but what are you going to do? This is a matchup, and these are two teams that the NBA should be thankful for right now. I mean, just think of the players on the Bucks. Likeability factor. Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. <laughs> Shut up. They're almost too likable, right? That's a team I will carve out time in February to watch. When the games don't really mean that much, when there's football still going on, when there's college basketball going on, when Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday are playing in a big game and they're all healthy, oh yeah, I'll carve out time to watch those guys. Likeable, right? And same with the Suns. DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, homegrown guys, and then they're all united and uplifted by the wily journeyman vet, Chris Paul. Stop it. I mean, that team is, these teams are so likable. The NBA should hold on to these two teams and never let go. The quality of basketball in the first half when this game was close, the passing was crisp. The ball movement was just, it was it was unlike anything I'd really seen throughout the regular season up until this point. The playmaking was great. The decision-making was great. The shooting and the finishing, it was, it was great. It was awesome. Coming up next, I want to give you my thoughts on the Harden-Simmons trade. Uh, and it's from the perspective of a non-NBA fan. So some of you might relate to that. And then we'll be done with the Wisco Sports Show for the week. And we can get set on getting ready for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Last segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Nibbling on sponge cake Watching the sun bake Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. I very much look forward to talking about the Super Bowl on Sunday and using it as kind of a diving board to recap the rest of the season. Once the Super Bowl is done and the dust is settled and we get together on Monday to look back at the Packers and the division and the NFC and everything that went down. I don't know. This season is interesting. The Rams make it very interesting. Obviously, Joe Burrow just rocketing up out of nowhere and making a making a Super Bowl makes this interesting. So I can't wait for our discussion about the NFL and the Super Bowl. We'll do a ton of that on Monday. Leroy Butler Hall of Fame, Aaron Rodgers, fourth MVP, all of that we discussed tonight. You can catch it in the podcast. I'll post that later tonight. Just look Wisco Sports Show wherever you find your shows. I want to say one thing about the trade deadline, and I'll be honest with you, 90% of this is ripped off from a great point that Ryan Rosillo made on his podcast. It's through the ringer. Listen to it on Spotify if you want. Um, It's about the Ben Simmons and James Harden trade. Now, NBA fans, people who follow the league, we look at this deal and kind of treat it as run-of-the-mill. Talked about this yesterday. There's lots of kinds of trades. Sometimes you got to trade a guy because he wants to be traded. He's unhappy, and he's creating issues one way or another, and you need to get him out. So even if you take a diminished return or you trade him somewhere that you don't want to trade him to... Fine, you, you got to do it because the guy's unhappy and it's a problem. So NBA fans and people who follow the league closely, we understand this. And we look at a James Harden-Ben Simmons trade, and there's other pieces too. But we look at this trade and we think, yeah, well, that makes sense. I can see why they both did it. Imagine if you're someone from outside the league who looked at this trade and had to decipher and figure it out. This is what you would think. Okay, so wait a minute. James Harden was in Brooklyn. So, so a year ago, James Harden was on the Rockets. After failing to get it done with Chris Paul, failing to get it done with Russell Westbrook, and then failing to get it done with John Wall. Now James Harden remains. He looks around and says, you know what? I want out. I don't want to be here anymore. And it gets kind of ugly. He stops trying. He puts on weight. It's very evident when he plays that he's tanking. He gets to go to Brooklyn. His dreams come true. The Rockets really don't even get that much for him. Karis Levert, some other things. He gets to Brooklyn. Gets to play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And less than a calendar year later decides, you know what? I don't want to be here either. He's pissed. He's upset. Get me out. I want to go play in Philly. Only trade me to Philly. Gets traded to Philly and then gets an immediate contract extension. You're like, wait. So this guy failed to get it done with three different complimentary guards in Wall, Westbrook, and Paul. Gets sent where he wants to go despite getting fat and tanking and quitting. Gets there. Doesn't like it there either. Gets fat. Stops trying and quits. And bullies his way out. He gets to go where he wants. And he gets to get a contract extension. What about the other guy? What about Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons doesn't want to improve his skills. Doesn't want to get better. Doesn't want to become a shooter. Doesn't want to work on his free throws. It comes to a head in a playoff series where he is he's barely a functioning player. He melts down and looks so bad. And to respond to that, he says, I don't want to play here anymore. Get me out. Trade me. I'm not playing. Petulantly sits out. Gives away millions of dollars. Like $60 million or something that he lost. And he gets to go to a great scenario and situation where he gets to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and he's now not going to have to learn any of the skills that he needs to learn and improve in the ways in which he needs to improve. So that's how the NBA works. That's how it works. I want out. I get traded. I want out. I get traded. Then I get extended. I want out. Call me when you trade me. Oh, we're going to trade you to an amazing situation in Brooklyn. 
from an outside perspective, someone who doesn't follow the NBA closely, pretty nuts. It's pretty wild. I'm not going to lie. If you're used to it, you're used to it. But pretty insane from an outside perspective. Monday, we'll talk about the Super Bowl and recap the entire season, including the Packers, of course. I can't wait. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the big game. I'll talk to you Monday starting at 4.